it, it's a, a lot of people talk about this, and those who have not experienced it will be like, this sounds like a bunch of hocus pocus baloney. Like, it, it's actually really true. It's like when you give your mind freedom, it accesses like different portals and finds solutions. Yeah, just giving yourself that that ability to think as opposed to just doing. And I think we all know that, but giving yourself that, because what you're saying is, how am I supposed to step away for a month? And I feel the same way. Like, how am I not supposed to be there for five days? And what am I like? Are you serious? Like, I have this to do. I got that to do. I got that to do. And sometimes you just got to do it and, you know, plan it ahead, you know, let everybody know and then see what comes out of it. All right, so two and a half million followers between all the different social media outlets and just all around a really cool person working on some amazing things, you know, in the middle of launching a media company, which got my attention because that's kind of what I'm doing too. So lots of fun things to talk about with the one and only from Minority Mindset, Mr. Jaspreet Singh. Thanks for being on set, my friend. Thank you, thank you. Thank you for having me on, man. It's awesome to be here. Really cool office, and thank you for having me. Thank you. No one ever really wants to like come to Gaithersburg, Maryland. So when Jaspreet messaged me, he's like, "Hey, I'm gonna be in the area." I'm like, "But you gotta come into my set. <laughs> we can actually do an in-person um, interview." Um, we're gonna talk about some really cool stuff today, which I actually don't know what it's, where we're gonna take the conversation. But you've done some tremendous things. Um, I've seen. I followed you on YouTube for a long time. You've interviewed some amazing people. Built a massive following um, of two and a half million-ish people now, right? Because 1.6 million, I think you said on YouTube, 800,000 on Instagram. I just want to say, as someone who's doing social media and organic right now, like hats off. Well, it thank you, man. Hard. It is hard. So I was telling just breathe earlier before we started um, filming. I was like, hey, my short game is on point. <laughs> like I'm so good at shorts. No one cares about my long form videos. What are you doing? So maybe we'll dissect some of that. But um, also just your. You're, you're still very young. I feel like I can say that because like I'm kind of hitting 39 now. Well, I'm past 39. I'll be 40 this year. And uh, you're still in your early 30s. So I feel like, you know, I'm jealous, man. I want to go back to my early 30s. So All now, young, man. Huh? I know, I know, I know. It's just, you know, I feel old now because I got a kid and like my life is like It's a beautiful, beautiful chapter of life, right? Very beautiful chapter. You're 100% right. I completely agree. Um, so, man, we were, right before we got started, you dropped an interesting little bomb on us and you're like, you got a law degree, but you never practiced. Tell me about that. So I grew up with very traditional uh, parents from India, where in my house, as you know, I was given two options. I can either go out, study hard and become a doctor, or I can be a failure. Those were the only two options that I had. And my parents were very, very strict on this, that like from the day I turned one, they started telling everybody from America to India that Jaspreet is going to be a doctor. <laughs> when I was in eighth grade. So and I'm you like, were born in America. I was right? born in America. Okay. When I was 12 years old in eighth grade, I was really struggling in my English class because at home we spoke Punjabi and, you know, English wasn't my first language and I just wasn't good at it. So my parents got me a tutor. I mean, I'm 12 years old in eighth grade, but they didn't give me a tutor for the English class that I was struggling in. They got me a tutor to get me ready for the medical college admission test, the, the MCAT, which is the test you take in college to get into medical school. And so here I am, 12 years old. The tutor comes to the door and he's like, okay, let's get this kid into medical school. And he looks at me, he's like, him? And so that's how strict my parents were, were when you, it came you, to... You were Doogie Hauser. Uh, <laughs> at least the tutor probably thought that, right? You know, it was a... I didn't think anything of it because, you know, I wanted to become successful. I wanted to take care of my parents. And so I thought, go to school, you get good grades, 
they'll be able to make money and take care of your parents. And I thought, you know, it was, I thought it was like directly linearly correlated. The harder you work in school, the better grades you get, the more successful financially you'll become. That was kind of the way I was raised. I knew nothing about money. Like I knew, I didn't know what investing was. I didn't know what dividends were. I don't know what passive income was. Like these were things that were completely foreign concepts. The only thing that I knew was like biology, science, math. Those were what I was told to focus on. That's all I knew. And then I go to college and I guess it started off in high school. Now, are you, just real quick, are you an only child? I have a younger brother. You have a younger brother. Okay, okay. And in high school, I started working at weddings, Indian weddings. We were just talking about that. And uh, that's what kind of gave me the first like entrepreneurial bug because I started making a little bit of money. I was working at weddings. I was working with DJs, doing a bunch of things, having a lot of fun, but making a little bit of money. And I was like, wait, I don't need degree to make money. And it just didn't make sense. I thought maybe I was doing something illegal, but let's like $50 isn't going to make anyone that upset. Right. So I was just like, you know, just doing whatever, having fun. And I started working with more DJs and they were like, how about we start hosting teen parties? This is when I was 16. And I said, okay, let's do it. Like, well, I got nothing to lose. So I did this all in secret. My parents didn't know that I was doing this, but I started hosting these teen parties at local Indian restaurants because they needed marketing and exposure. So they would give us the venue for free. And I didn't think anything of it at the time. It was just like normal. And so I started doing these little teen parties, making a little like the first party. We made $2 for me and $2 for the DJ. So that was the profit. So <laughs> yeah, it was, it was just awesome. fun, right? Yeah. We were just having a good time. Yeah. And then I go to college. I'm like, all right, time for me to get serious and become a doctor. I didn't know people go to college to party or drink. Like I had no idea. My parents didn't go to university here and stuff. Where'd you go to school? I went to the university of Michigan. Okay. So I go to college. That's a big party school too. I and I didn't know anything about that. Like, I didn't even visit the school before I got there. I applied to one college. Like okay. I was so like unfamiliar with the process. Like I applied to one school. I got into the one school that I applied to. Uh, it was like a Wednesday and I told my mom that I'm leaving. She was in the kitchen. My dad's at work. She's like, where are you going? I said, college. She said, when are you coming back? I said, I don't know. <laughs> that, that was like, uh, no one knew what the process wow. was. So I went to college and I brought a sleeping bag, a microwave and a couple other things. I didn't even have a towel with me. Like I didn't know what to do. Wow. And I get there and everybody is partying, drinking. And I was like, what the heck? Where am I? Yeah. And how are you spending all this money on things that cost like alcohol is expensive. Yeah. Now I, I never drank, I don't drink. I wasn't into partying, although I hosted some of the parties, but I was like, this is an opportunity for me because I don't party, I don't drink, but I need something to do on Friday nights. Yeah. So that was when I started going to like all the local clubs, venues, bars, restaurants, knocking on the doors. Literally, I was 17 year old, years old when I went to college and I was like, can I host a party here? Um, and in the beginning it was really hard because they were like, yeah, you can. It's just a $10,000 like room rental fee. Yeah. I was like $10,000. Like that's, that seemed like such a large amount of money back then yeah. where it was like, who the heck has $10,000? Even to today. I mean, it's still you know, yeah, and when an you're, early commitment. It's a lot of money. Yeah. Especially when you're 17 in college, yeah. it's like, it's such an insane amount of money. And I was like, I can't do that. And I kept going. I don't know why I just did. And I ended up at this one club that was like, yeah, you could do a party here. We won't charge you anything. Just give us 50% of the revenue that you bring in, like from the cover charge. Mm -hmm. I said, okay. And so now I'm in business and now I needed a DJ. So I made the same deal with my DJ. I said, look, you take 50% of whatever I generate and, uh, we, I won't have to pay you anything. So now the club is taking 50%. The DJ is going to take 25 and I'm left with 25, but I don't have to spend any money doing it. And now I got into the party promoting business at 17 
And that slowly started to grow. And it went from like one-off parties to then having a contract with the largest club on campus for a, our college night party every week to also hosting our own monthly events, to hosting like concerts, shows. Like we were, I mean, making good money in college. But the problem was I hated what I was doing because I, I did it just for the money. And yeah. that, it, it, this is like that, that time where I learned I was making money because I wanted to kind of chase money, yeah. but I hated it because I didn't like promoting alcohol. I didn't like the scene. I didn't like the industry. I was dealing with a lot of shady people and a lot of dirty things. Like the entertainment industry is very shady, very dirty. And mm -hmm. it's like physically taxing. Like there was a lot of fights mm -hmm. that like physical fights that you had to break up. And it was just not something that I wanted to be around. But I knew that I wanted to do something different. And that was when I started to realize I didn't want to be a doctor. So towards the end of my college career, how many years into, so this is like your first four years, your first four years in college. I, yeah. I took my MCAT, the, the test to get into college between year two and year three. Okay. And that was around the time where I also, I started investing in real estate. So I didn't talk about this, but I had some cash saved up. Mm -hmm. I took my MCAT on August 22nd and August 23rd, the next day I closed on my first rental property. Wow. And this was like 2011, I believe. So we're talking about right after the 2008 crash. Yeah. I'm in Metro Detroit where property values are hit very hard. I mean, well, we had was, like the worst, the, worst, yeah, the like absolute the worst. worst. Like we had property selling for the property that I bought. It had sold for over $150,000, went into foreclosure. The banks couldn't sell it. They listed it on the market for $8,400. It was a 1,000 square foot condo, one bedroom, one bath. It was listed for 8400 I made an offer for $4,000. We ultimately um, came to a deal at eight grand. I had them down at 7000 but then somebody else made an offer, and so they were like, created a little bidding war, so yeah. I, I offered $8,000. And so I bought the condo for eight grand. Again, I had no idea what I'm doing. Like, I have, I don't know what real estate investing was. I started reading books, yeah. and that's where I started learning about this real estate investing stuff. Like, my, I didn't know any real estate investors. I had no experience with this. So I just bought it and mm. then I was like, I'll figure it out. And so I did, it was a, you know, you know, there's a lot of people that talk about the magic and amazing parts of real estate investing and passive income. It was not, none of that. When I first got started, <laughs> yeah. it was like just a complete like headache trying to find a good contractor. How do you find a property manager? What is a property manager? How do you get licensed with the city? How do you find an attorney? How do you not overpay? Like it was a big mess, but mm. I learned a lot. Yeah. And this is where I was like, I, I want to do something different. Medicine isn't for me. So before graduating college, I told my parents that I'm not going to be a doctor. And my parents like couldn't believe it. Like my mom, like literally almost had a heart attack. It took her like a year and a half to actually believe that her son wasn't going to be a doctor. Now, do you have a lot of doctors in your family, like cousins and just like close family friends? Like, is it a trend uh, in your family? Not that many. Um, like my uncle is a doctor, um, but like medical doctors, not like that. My, no. my dad is a veterinarian, Okay. Uh, but no one else okay. is really a doctor. Got it. So did you ever end up taking the MCATs? Because, I uh, took the MCAT. Okay. And did you ever, sorry, you did say you took the MCATs. I meant, did you ever end up applying to med school? I like didn't how? apply to medical school. Okay. So it was between the MCATs and like the applications yeah, that you go out, you're like, like, I'm not, I'm not doing, doing this anymore. But that was when my parents were like, you have to get some sort of professional degree if you want to maintain any pride in the family. So it was like, well, what does that mean? They're like, you have to go and become an attorney at the very least. 
I was like, okay, well, I can be an attorney, but you know, and I'm starting to research law school, and I was like, oh, I can do law school part time, which means I can do my business full time, mm. and so that was uh, the big allure for me. And I liked, I mean, I liked the idea of learning the law because every aspect of business involves law at so some much. point, yeah. and I didn't know that, but I kind of read about it, so I was like, you know, I can get some business application here. I couldn't get into business school because I was really bad in economics. Like I almost failed my economics class. I kept falling asleep in the class. So like I, that wasn't an option. So uh, I got into law school. Um, I, it took me four years to graduate law school. So typically it takes three. It took me an extra year because mm. I took, I did the last year and a half part-time. And while I was in law school, I was working on my own businesses full-time. Um, and so first it was like real estate. So I was doing uh, real estate investing. I'd, uh, built up some properties and then I started real estate wholesaling and then I did um, I wanted to I wanted something scalable so that was when I got on the internet and I started a sock company I created my own water resistant sock I launched that I, thought, I thought you said stock socks, I was like did I really socks. hear him say that, sock thing like, you yeah, on your yeah, feet okay wow wow okay so uh, I got into that textile business which I never expected but you yeah. know for me I, I'm, I learned by doing I'm kind of like I just do it and then I figure it out after yeah and so I started doing uh, socks and my goal was to license the technology because I found a way to like incorporate this waterproof technology with the yarn that you use for socks to make the socks water resistant. And the business itself was doing very well, especially like when you're 21, 22 years old. Yeah. And I was working to get a patent, applied for a patent. We're selling now direct to consumer online and it was going very well. And my goal wasn't to build a sock company, but my goal was to show proof of concept by selling these socks online. That way then I can go to the big brands and say, Hey, look, people love these socks. You got to use this technology. Problem was the patent didn't get approved. And mm. so now I was kind of at a crossroads, but I also, and you know, I, I just did a lot of random things, but I also started making videos and talking on the internet because I got screwed over. I got scammed when I was starting the sock company. And I was so frustrated because I had been scammed or screwed over in so many different instances. Like when I first started the event planning company, I, the first party that I did, we got screwed over by the club owner. Um, when I did, I started a, another e-commerce company selling on Amazon and we got into a lot of trouble there because I didn't know what we were doing. We got the supplier that we were working with essentially just completely screwed us over. Mm. And then uh, I did the sock company. I got approached by a fake marketing company. They said that we're going to do X, Y, and Z. We're going to help you promote your product. We're going to get you all these sales. I gave them the a big chunk of a marketing budget and they ran away. They like just took the money and I never heard from them again. Mm. And I was so frustrated now because I was like, I don't have a lot of guidance on this entrepreneurship space. I don't have a lot of support. I don't have people telling me what to do. <clears throat> I don't have like that sort of like support. And so I don't also don't know anyone to talk to. So I just started making like content on the internet about like how to launch a business without getting screwed over. Mm -hmm. I didn't really think anything of it. I, I took it off. I did it off my cell phone and I just started making videos in front of a white wall, just like, kind of as a hobby. And when people say that, they're like, why would you do that as a hobby? Like, there's no way that's true. And I'm like, you don't understand. Like, it was like, I think I had around 10,000 subscribers. And this is before YouTube had any sort of monetization requirements. Yeah. You could monetize any piece of content with anything. <clears throat> and my buddy, 
in business terms, you'd call him your business partner. And in regular terms, you call him your best friend. Yeah. Came over and he was like, hey, man, like, how much money are you making on YouTube? I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm not making any money. He's like, from your ads. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> He's like, let me look at it. So he goes into the back end of my YouTube. He's like, dude, you never even turned on the monetization on your channel. I was like, I don't even know you could do that. He puts, clicks one button and now start making a little bit of money from YouTube. But that was how it started. And when my patent got denied, I was at right around 100,000 subscribers on YouTube. And so I was kind of at this like crossroads. Where was it the same channel? The Minority Mindset channel. So is that how you launched it? From that was how I launched it. It was, it was just like my videos in front of a white wall. What was the thought process behind the name? It's, just, it's a cool name. So but... the, the, the thought process was, if you want to be in, if you want to do anything big or different, yeah. you can't do what everybody else does. Yep. And you have to think differently. It has nothing to do with the way you look or your ethnicity or your skin color. It's that mindset. And mm -hmm. so I think back to like when I was throwing these parties, everybody was going to the parties. I started hosting the parties. Then like I had some money saved up now. People, when I was in college, I knew people <clears throat> in Ann Arbor who had way more money than I did, mm -hmm. like way more money. None of them were investing in real estate. Mm -hmm. Even though I told them about it, they were like, no, that's too risky. Why would you want to invest in real estate? People are losing their shirts in real estate. I did something different and I started investing in real estate. So for me, it was that mindset of thinking differently. Mm. And then if you want to start a business, if you want to succeed and do something completely different, you have to think differently. So that was the whole history behind the name Minority Mindset, not really kind of thinking that it would go anywhere. But somehow by, you know, real just, I was very fortunate and I put a lot of work into it. And then, uh, you know, I was able to see the channel grow to a hundred thousand subscribers, which oh. was like unbelievable. Like how in the world, like I remember when I started the channel, I was like, there's, I, I think big, but I thought so small about myself when it came to YouTube. I was like, there's no way that a hundred thousand people would want to watch this type of education voluntarily. Yeah. So let me ask you a question. 100,000, right? And sounds to me like, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds to me like you started the channel just because you had things you wanted to say, experiences you had. And it doesn't sound to me like you even had enough knowledge to even do this, but it's not, it doesn't sound to me like you were keyword researching, that you were like hacking videos and other people's videos to see like what would, what would get views. You genuinely just showed up and said, here's what I want to talk about today because I think it, it's important to me, so I'll share it. And what ended up happening was because it was important to you, it ended up being important to other people. But it doesn't seem like, you know, because a lot of people have tried, there's a lot of stuff out there about building YouTube channels and, you know, and I'll, and I'll be honest with you. So when I'm doing the long form, I think I've been a little too self-involved in like trying to see what's working, this and that. The shorts, I genuinely just talk like my shorts are random. I mean, I got shorts about how I spent 25 grand on my toilets, you know, and like the thought process about there's some of my more viral ones, but there's like, okay, why did I spend that much money on toilets? And, um, and I have found that to be interesting in the sense of maybe the key is that there is no key. <laughs> it's just like showing up. Like, was that how you approached it? Like when you first started? Yeah. You know, I don't, I never really looked into like, the reason why I know that now is because I've gotten a lot of those questions. What are the best keywords? What are the best thumbnails or description? And I never cared about any of that. Like I didn't even a little bit more, but my number one focus is the content like the keywords. I don't even know what keywords we use, like in terms of like the tags or whatever. I don't know what we use. Um, titles are, are important, but it's like the 80, 20 rule. 
80% is what, how would you even say the 90-10? Like 90% is the bulk of the content. If you have a crappy title but good content, the video will go much further than if you have a good title but crappy content. Yeah. So uh, for me, the number one focus is the value that I put in the video. Um, and everything else is just kind of secondary and that's kind of the icing on the cake. And so when I was starting, my number one focus was just like, what do I wish somebody would have told me? And what was interesting was I made a video, I released it on, uh, I forget when it was, but I think it was 2016 I released this video. It went nowhere. And what I used to do back then was, because I used to get like very few views, I used to hit the refresh button a hundred times. Each video had a hundred views. So I used to do that. And then um, I, I released this video, I think it was 2016, probably got like 120 views, 100 of them are me. A year and some change goes by and I'm putting out videos multiple times a week, every week. Like I haven't um, missed a single video date. And a year and so, I think it was a year and a half later, 18 months. And that video that I released 18 months ago started to go viral. And that was the 18 video, months 18 months after that video went out. And that was the video that took us, took my channel from like, it took me, 18 months of solid work to get from zero to 30,000 subscribers. Then it took me 60 days to go from 30,000 to 100,000 subscribers. And it was all because of a video that I released 18 months prior. So it's, it's the YouTube gods are watching what you're doing and they're looking at the effort you put in. I, I, I've, always, I've always said this. Um, I feel like social media, just so for a minute, if I forget about uh, you know, YouTube or whatever, I feel like social media is like dating. Right. It's like you can take out a girl on a on a most epic first date. I mean, you can plan every minute of it. And it's just the epic environment, helicopters and flowers. And and at the end of that date, you get on your get down on one knee and you're like, will you marry me? And she's going to be like, what the like, dude, it's one it's one date, it's one video. Like and I feel like that's how people treat a lot of or organic mechanisms like YouTube. It's like I made this amazing video, put my heart and soul into it. Like, will you marry me? Like, will you send me all your viewership now? And it's like, I need you to show up consistently and I need to know who you really are and that you're going to give to this relationship as much as, you know, I would give to it. And I've always, and, and people find that people laugh at it, but it's like, that's actually how I've seen, you know, um, most recent example. So, um, my, my one of my best friends does a lot of Twitter. So I'm like, and then I, I will say Elon buying Twitter got my attention. So I'm like, what's this Twitter? I, I don't tweet at all. Like I just... And uh, I kind of started looking around and I was like, oh, I get it. I see what Twitter's for. Like you gotta find your circle. Like you gotta find like that community, right? So as you and I talked about like the newsletter community, I'm really into like building a media company into the newsletter. So I found that market. So I have 13,000 followers on, on Twitter and I make a post and I'm not even joking. So thank God Elon added the, how many people see your post. So that's a public now public number. I put my first post, I got 89 people to see it. I'm like, this is, this is embarrassing. I'm like, I'm over here on YouTube posting shorts, getting 50 to 100,000 views. And I'm over here on Twitter getting 89. I can't do this, right? But then in my head, I'm like, wait a minute. Like, do I want this to be, you know, because how did I get the 13,000 followers? It's over years of just randomness. Like they're, they're not committed. I've not been nurturing the platform or them. And so it's only been about three weeks and I've been consistent every day posting multiple tweets and just, you know, and now my average tweets getting three, 400 views. And I mean, is it earth shattering? No, but that's five, six X the results by just consistency for a few weeks. Imagine if I can do that for like three, four months or for a year. So one question I have for you is most people just don't have the discipline. 
zero to 30,000. You said it took 18 months, yeah. right? Um, and just one more I'll give to everybody. By the way, I want to backtrack because there's so many parts of our story that overlap. I don't think we've ever had a chance to discuss because it's hilarious as you're telling your story, I'm laughing. But TikTok. So I start TikTok exactly, it was almost a year ago. Um, it took me 11 months to get from zero to 100,000 followers. It was painful, right? While I'm watching others just skyrocketing, it took me two weeks to go from 100 to 150,000. And it'll take me, I'll probably in another two weeks, I'll be at 200,000. So I will have gone from 100 to 200,000 in about six to eight weeks, wow. maybe even less. And where the first 100,000 took 11 months. Yeah. And so I'm on the other side of it now seeing like, okay, so you want to do the organic thing, like you got to play the long game and you got to show up consistently. But it is so freaking hard, man. So that first year, first year and a half, what made you, you said, so how many times were you posting? I was in the first year and a half. I think I was posting three times a week. I was also going to law school full time. And this was a hobby for me okay. because I was working on my sock business and I was working on real estate because. Okay. So this is like your fifth thing. That this you're is my doing. fifth thing. And, <laughs> yeah. and so, see, I mean, I learned later on the power of focusing, but in the beginning, I didn't understand that for me. It was like, I'm going to do whatever I can because I had one goal then. Like when I was in law school around that time, even before I was, I'm going to buy as many properties as possible because real estate is the end game. That was all that I saw. I was like, Oh my God, like I can build true wealth with real estate. So I was making money anywhere I could and then trying to buy real estate. And that was it. So YouTube was really just like my hobby. And so 18 months was like three videos a week, which took a lot of time. So did you truly not care? Is it, it did, is what helped you get that 18 months because you just didn't care how many were watching or subscribing because you just enjoyed the process so much? I really enjoyed talking about it. I enjoyed the outlet and I don't, I think I like, I don't know what it was that really drew me to it. Like I, I still kind of think back and I wonder what, what it was because I never wanted people to know who I was, mm -hmm. which is kind of strange. And that was one of the reasons why I did it under the alias minority mindset, mm -hmm. as opposed to just Breathe Singh. Like it wasn't until 2022 that I changed the logo from MM to my face. Wow. And uh, now we're starting to kind of put more of just Breathe Singh into it, as opposed to minority mindset, because I wanted minority mindset to be like a place where people can find that community, as opposed to a place where you can find just Breathe Singh. But what I learned, Oh, let me tell you another funny thing about that, because <clears throat> I always had it with the entrepreneurial mind where I was like, if I'm going to do this and I want to grow it, I don't want to build a, a, a brand around me. That's not scalable. That's not sellable. That's, that's nothing. Like if anything, I want to build a network like uh, CNBC. And so I used to try to bring other people onto the minority mindset YouTube channel and it failed every single time. And so I would bring on other people. They would make videos. They're very smart people. And I did this on multiple occasions. And what I learned was that people wanted to watch me. And that was really kind of heartwarming, but also kind of like ground shattering to me where it's like, wait, why the heck do people want to watch me? Like I have over a million subscribers and you still want to watch me? Like it, it's almost like it, it feels amazing, but it's also hard to like really believe that. It's like, why? Like that's crazy. Like it's really amazing to feel that. And that's where I was like, okay, now I have to either make a decision do I want to continue promoting me or what is it that I want to do? And now I'm kind of realizing the power of a personal brand. And there's a lot of like value in that, which is why now I'm, I'm doing more for just breathe sing. 
but in the beginning it was not it wasn't that well well look at look at even this podcast that you're on it's be called the fighting entrepreneur jan of this year 2023 it changed to onyx and gall show because for me i was like you know what i can build and, and i think this was also largely based off of a conversation i had with grant cardone a few years ago that opened my my eyes because i asked grant um you know, he, he started Grant Capital, Cardone Capital, and he's, he's become, that's led him to going straight to a billionaire status. He did that in like three or four years, right? And say that to him and he'll laugh because, well, what about the 20 years, 30 years before that, yeah. that's set up for that? So my question to him was, hey, you went bananas on social media. You went insane. Like you just, you're everywhere. You were posting, you were podcasting, you were interviewing, you were chopping little, you know, I actually remember I spoke at Gro uh, GrowthCon. One of the things that fascinated me was behind the stage in the back area there was an entire lineup of people there was a team and all they were doing was social media posting they were live taking the footage boom 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 editing it posting it okay taking that taking the snippet posting that okay making making an image with a quote that was just said and posting it it was just bombarding social media and i remember being fascinated and i remember thinking god i never want to ever be that social <laughs> like holy crap like it's truman show like it's like what the hell so I remember finally, I, I did ask him, um, because then I saw him do Cardone Capital. I'm like, was this always part of your strategy? Like, did you do all of what you did on social media? And he said, all I know is that if you build a big enough personal brand, you can sell anything. If you build the trust, you build the faith. So he's like, yeah, at some point along the way, raising money became my, my thing I wanted to do. And that kind of changed my perspective because I used to be limited. I think personal brand means it's just all about you. But now I'm seeing, hey, I can use my personal brand, have that be this big asset, which I retain for life. Yep. doesn't have to be sellable. But using that personal brand, I can build this company, this company, this company. And then each of those can have its own equity value. Yeah. Um, and so now this becomes something I was hiding and shying away from to now it becomes like my number one thing that I'm like. It's like a, it's like a wheel with spokes with you in the center. And now you can kind of spin off anything that you want. Exactly. And that was a big lesson for me. It, kind of learning the same thing where I never, I never wanted people to know me. I, I didn't want that. Yeah. And then you kind of go through the process. And I was like, you know what? Either I have to commit or stop kind of going halfway and figure out what it is that I want to do. Yeah. And so that was when Minority Mindset transformed. This was 2022, where I had like all these other products and then Minority Mindset became Jaspreet Singh. Yeah. And then I spun off Briefs Media, which is my newsletter company, where we have things like market briefs, my newsletter for investors, business briefs, my newsletter for entrepreneurs, all free newsletters started off just as a way now to spin off kind of what you're saying something outside so, of me so let's so now that we're talking about the value of personal brand this is interesting guys and by the way that wasn't a plan i you know i have some amazing things i want to talk to just beat about but um do you mind because I, I have a point i want to make but i don't want to in encroach on any data and numbers do, are you public about how many like, subscribers you have in any of your newsletters is that a public number? yeah so we have uh on our market briefs so if i back up market briefs started off as a hobby again I, i'll tell you exactly why because the pandemic hit in 2020 yeah and i went from making three videos a week to now five to seven videos a week wow and i was like i need a way to stay up to date so you kept the three videos a week all the way from 2016 up to like to, you were still doing pandemic, three a week until the pandemic and your videos just so everyone knows your videos are long man some of your videos i mean you get meaty i mean it's like an hour long I've some of them are long yeah, yeah like it, you get into it. it's not like he just goes on for 60 seconds and then goes off okay anyway so, so yeah so, so we went to, i think it was seven i think i went straight to seven because yeah. things i mean it was crazy it was a completely crazy everything every day there was something new happening it was, yeah. and and 
I was struggling to keep up. So I told my team, I said, Hey, can you give me a daily briefing of what's happening? And oh, they were like, okay. sure. And then I was like, well, why don't we just give this daily briefing for free? I already had like my own personal email newsletter or whatever, but this was completely different because this was like, literally here's what's happening in stocks and whatever. And they said, sure. So now they start sending this to me and I said, what if we just offer this for free to the audience as well? And again, I didn't know what we were going to do with it. We didn't have a monetization plan. Like we were just going to offer this as a newsletter. Yeah. So we launched it as the minority mindset newsletter, yeah. super original. Yeah. And between 2020 and, uh, I think it was March 1st, actually 2022, we grew to 70,000 subscribers on that minority mindset newsletter. And I would just kind of sprinkle it in in my videos here and there. So I never spent a penny on advertising. I, just, I literally would just like, because we had like other monetization streams. So the newsletter was just like something that I said here and there because I don't want to spend money on something that's not going to really drive us anything. So now 2022, March 1st, we had, I, th I think it was 74,000 subscribers on March 1st, 2022. And then by the end of 2022, we had just over 200,000 uh, subscribers because then we switched it from the minority mindset newsletter to then briefs media, which then held market briefs as one of the newsletters. And that's when I decided that we were going to now turn this into a real thing and like focus on pushing, focus on actually pushing and growing market briefs. And so I pushed it pretty hard in 2022. And that's what took us from 74,000 to just, uh, just over 200,000 by the end of 2022. Now here we are in uh, early April, 2023, we're at 200 and I don't remember the exact number today because we, we clean up our list very often. Yeah, you're going to get rid of all the other But there. we're over 200,000 subscribers. Um, so I, I want to make a point here on the value of personal brands. So if you have 200,000, let's just say 200,000 active subscribers, this is a really important piece of information, that's active. I'm guessing, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm guessing you've probably brought 400,000 through at some point. You probably cleaned up half the list or 300,000. Uh, we've brought in quite a few. I mean, how many of you cleaned up? At least 300,000. Yeah, at least, right? If not four, yeah. So the reason I'm saying that, guys, is if we go to Facebook and try to buy 300,000 leads, you're going to spend $1.5 million. You're going to spend $1.5 plus million. The quality won't be nearly as high because they're not that vetted, they're not that vested in you. So when I say what's the value of a personal brand, you basically with your value and your brand and your channel replaced easily a minimum of one and a half, if not $2 million worth of media buying to build this company that eventually is going to go on to have a much higher equity value to it. Cause it's going to have all that data, all these, all these amazing people there. And so that was built off this personal brand. So the big aha moment I had that I want to share with everyone who's listening right now is if you're going to get into the personal brand business, you got to be thinking five, 10 years. You cannot be thinking one, yeah. two year. You literally, so when I rebranded Onyx and Gall Show, right, we started in Jan 1, 2023. My five year clock began in 2023, even though I've been doing this for 20 years. I was like, now that this is an actual aggressive focus of mine, right? Okay, great, we're doing well with shorts, but now I'm gonna start doing well on other social media platforms. We're launching our newsletters. We're doing things very differently. I, my content game is different now. So I always say we went from being content behind a paywall to now actually putting a lot of content before the paywall, which is a completely different type of company to build. So my five-year clock started in 2023 of Jan. And I'm like, now I'm fortunate to have a little bit of a, you know, a boost because I already had people following me but I'm also trying to change the type of people now. I mean, my content style is changing. So I just kind of feel like everyone should hear that. And, and with you too, it sounds almost like the five year was like you started in 2016, 
So today in 2023, we're sitting uh, seven, I don't know, I can't do math, man. Right, math. just over seven years. Seven years, yeah. So, but it was about a few years ago that I feel like even you started really taking off and, and where we're even we connected. Yeah, and I think the, you know, for me it was kind of the opposite because I never liked, I think I liked selling, but I was never good at it. Yeah. And I just couldn't do it. Uh, so like, I wasn't never uh, like a big course seller or anything like that. I, we had some classes, but like, it was like, like you had, you had to go out of your way to find that this class was for sale. Yeah. And so I, it was just not something that I could do. And so I needed something that could be different. That's why I went down the free newsletter route where I was like, how can I monetize something in a way that really aligns with something that I want to do in a way that, uh, really amplifies the brand. Yeah. So that was when the newsletter brand really became the opportunity with then monetization originally from sponsorships, but then creating a platform, which we call now Market Insiders, which is an education platform where you can learn now a bunch of things, stock market investing, real estate investing, money management, building wealth, in addition to getting like a whole bunch of other value that we can then also, we it's separate from Briefs Media, but they, they're like sister companies that feed one another. Yeah. And so that's been, uh, working very well now as a way to kind of help accelerate the growth for both companies. It's awesome stuff. I mean, and, and I think the big key message here for everyone who's listening is that no matter what you're doing in your life, it might not be trying to become a big social media, you know, or build a big personal brand. But I think, you know, I've been doing business now for 20 years. So personally for me, if someone said, Anik, what is like your biggest takeaway? Um, I have so many, but one that, that really humbled me and one that was like, gosh, you know, it's hard one for people to accept especially young, aggressive type A entrepreneur types or young, aggressive type A anything, patience. Yeah. It's like, you know what? Uh, I, I gave this advice to a, a, one of our mastermind members of BO, a Board of Expert Masterminds recently where I said, they're trying to scale and they're doing a lot of things. And I ended up saying this, these words came out of my mouth and I, I felt it was like one of those moments of wisdom where I was like, if you want to scale, you need to slow down. And they looked at me and they're like, what the hell did you just say? I'm like, whoa, what did I just say? I'm like, but no, I believe that. I'm like, you, you just need to be patient. You got to let things play out. It's also like, I think, giving it time to think and marinate. So the the right before we changed from Minority Mindset to Briefs Media kind of separated. So that happened in 2022. This is now the end of 2021. I went on this, what I call it, a thinking trip. I went to Florida. And uh, I was all alone for like three or four days where I was like in, I, I did this on purpose where I wanted to be kind of in isolation. I went to this little room. All I had was a bike. I tried to stay away from as much technology as possible. I had my notepad, some books. And when did you do this? This was in the end of 2021. Okay. Were you married by now? I was not married then. Okay. Oh, I, no, I was married. I was married. I, <laughs> was I married? Maybe it was 20. Uh, no, I, I was married. Note was, to self, do not let his wife watch this episode. I got married in 2021, <laughs> the, so the, I was The reason married. I'm asking that is because I'm like, how do you convince your wife to let you do this? Uh, so she trip? went too, but she kind of did her own thing. Okay, all right, all right. Okay, got it. And I'm sorry, my dates are getting all confused. I was married <laughs> during this time. Uh, but so. But the point is you took a trip where you literally said that this is about thinking. This thinking. And it's about thinking. Okay. And so I, uh, it was really fun because I just, I used to ride my bike to the beach, which wasn't that far. And all I had was my notebook and I would just sit there, no really agenda. And I would just write my thoughts and I would just sit on the beach. Now, what would my thoughts be? There would be things about life. 
It'd be things about business. It'd be things about family. It'd be things about my future. It would just be like random ideas that came into my brain. Yeah. It's a brain dump completely. Brain, like, no, everything. no, um, no, in, no intent or like goal to get of which it's exactly. just like, just write it down because I live a very fast paced life, which I think is one of those, like I needed something different because I'm always like in five minutes, I got this and eight minutes, I got this and 15. Minutes. So I was like, I didn't have a deadline. So I just sat there and thought, and then I started when I would go into my business thinking, I was like, what is minority mindset? And I was like, just breathing question mark business question mark. And that was where I was like, I don't know. And so I really just started dumping all my thoughts here. And that was where I started separating. Oh, I can, I can be something different. The business can be something different. And that was when the idea for briefs media, uh, all really came out. And so then when I came back now, this is like early part of 2022, we came back after the new year. I had the whole team come together in the office and I was like, we're changing everything. And so they were like, what happened in the last week? Like, did we miss? And so, but it was really exciting and it took some time to really kind of make that transition and, and make it work. But now I'm really starting to see the value of that. Like what you were saying, slow down a little bit, think about what you're doing. Is there a better way to do it? Let it marinate and kind of just take a little break. And I've, I've found that to be very valuable in that moment. Listen, I did something. God, man, there are so many parts of ours. There's just so much overlap. Just breathe. Like I'm forgetting a lot of it now because we're keep, we keep moving forward. But, but this one, I, so um, my life coach, I had one, so pandemic hits, um, business took off. Uh, if, if you were in the business of selling information on the internet, it just exploded, right? Like, I mean, you are in a way, right? Cause you're doing it on the front end, but you're, and you said, Hey, pandemic hit my YouTube. Like, yeah. you know, I just, and I was burning out, man. I was exhausted and I really like, we were growing so fast. The team was growing and it was just a lot going on. And the advice at that time that my life coach gave to me and made me commit to which was the craziest thing i thought she was insane i'm like i'm not doing it but i finally did it she said take a month off so are you out of your mind like if i take a month off everything's gonna fall apart she goes great let's let it fall apart she's like either you're right or you're wrong in both cases you win i'm like <laughs> i don't i don't like, i don't know what you define winning as but my entire business falling apart is not winning to me she's like well how long how much longer can you keep it going the way you're going with your health and with everything that's going on i said you know, my wife and I at that time were starting to get real serious about having a kid and everything. And I'm like, oh, my God, I can't, you know. So she's like, if it's going to fall apart, let's rip that bandaid. Let's let it fall apart. Let's figure out where the weak spots are. Take a take a month off. So we planned it. I was like, all right. So I announced it. I think it was September or October. I can't remember which month of, of, of 2020. And I just disappeared for a month. Like, so here's what I told the team. I said, I'm not going anywhere. I'm at my house. I'm taking a staycation. Can't go anywhere at that time. And I'm like, unless the house is on fire, don't call me. Like, I'm off. I'm not coming in, I'm not shooting videos, I'm not answering questions, I'm not checking Slack. And during that month, I literally did nothing. I would like go drive my car around or I like went, I went, I went like, I uh, went to the shooting range and like learned how to shoot a gun. Cause like, I was just like, all right, cool. Something fun to do, something new to try. Um, I just did a lot of weird stuff. And um, sure enough, when I came back, by the time I came back, about four or five key people on my marketing team quit. Um, the business did not fall apart. It did not fall apart, but it was under distress. And, and what I found out was there was so many parts of my business in my life that I was literally carrying on my back and I was pulling and pulling and pushing and pulling. And when I just ceased to exist, those things, the rubber band had to go back into its original shape yeah. and I could really see what I was working with. 
and we recalibrated the team. We changed how we hired. During that month, I had a lot of epiphanies of where I wanted to take the business, what I wanted to do. And you're right. It was like not when. So when you sit down to actively be like, so how am I going to solve this problem? It's like the freaking brain doesn't actually work with you. But when I was like, here I am, like, you know, pointing a, a gun at a target. I'm about to pull the trigger and I'm like, oh, my God, that. That's how I solved that problem. Like, and it's like, it, it's it, a lot of people talk about this and those who have not experienced it will be like, this sounds like a bunch of hocus pocus baloney. Like it, it's actually really true. It's like when you give your mind freedom, it accesses like different portals and find solutions. Yeah. Just giving yourself that, that ability to think as yeah. opposed to just doing. Yeah. And I think we all know that, but giving yourself that, because what you're saying is how am I supposed to step away for a month? Yeah. And I feel the same way. Like, how am I not supposed to be there for five days? Five days. Yeah, even five and days. What yeah. am I like? Are you serious? Like, I have this to do. I got that to do. I got that to do. And sometimes you just got to do it and, you know, plan it ahead, you know, let everybody know and then see what comes out of it. So when you walked in today, um, you met you met an entrepreneur that's here visiting the Learn Center. So I'm working on a project with him. Now, he's a very successful entrepreneur. He's done a couple hundred million dollars in sales over his career. He sold companies and um I've done similar numbers. I've done some amazing things and we have a project we're working on together. The project's supposed to launch next month. It's supposed to launch in five weeks. And it's just, it's just not, it's a push. It's a pull. It's just not, it's not got any flow. We're not going downstream whatsoever. We're going upstream. We've got all kinds of challenges against us. The old Onyx, you know, the Onyx from the old Onyx, like the two years ago Onyx, like, <laughs> right? Like literally like the guy, like, like, like 20 Onyx 1.0. <laughs> By then he's already Onyx 6.0, right? right? Like, but, uh, but still two years ago, it's a go, whatever, stop it. We're not changing the goals. We're not changing the dates. We're going to make it happen. We're going to fight extra hard. We're going to work extra hard, extra long hours. And so, so he flew in because we were going to do a bunch of talks. We were going to do a bunch of work over the next two days with the intention of fixing and getting the momentum to meet the original timeline and launch this project. We're in a meeting literally half an hour before you come in the door, right? And about 15 minutes into the meeting, both he and I look at each other and we're like, hey, let's cancel it. Cancel what we're doing next month. Let's just push it back. And I was like, all right, but how much? He's like, whatever it takes. And I t I'm literally in my own head looking at this conversation and I'm like, holy shit, this is maturity. Like this is two entrepreneurs who are very successful, who have scaled businesses that have come to learn one thing. We're not quitting, but it's okay. In the grand scheme of our entire lives, a three month pushback on a project to A, give us sigh of relief, give us time to marinate. So now all of a sudden, this next two days he's here with us isn't about let's film the ads, let's get this out, let's get, it's actually about us connecting, talking and saying, hey, what didn't work? What is working? How do we do this correctly? What's the plan? Let's sit down and really think, give ourselves a room to think about this. And what I've come to figure out is, man, we don't do that in our earlier years. And I know so many entrepreneurs or so many people, forget entrepreneurs, if you're at work trying to get the next promotion, you're trying to get your medical school degree or your law degree, although I think most people right now that are trying to get their medical degree, if they listen to this podcast, they've quit medical school yeah, <laughs> because yeah. I talk about that all the time. <laughs> but um, it's whatever you're trying to do, just like take a, take, a, take a deep breath, just slow down a little bit. And believe it or not, you'll speed up. Yeah. And and it happens in weird ways because I'll tell you a story. The first time we did like a team trip together, I was a keynote speaker in Austin and I decided to bring the whole team out there. And I was like, you know, everyone's been working for a while. Let's give them kind of like a, a nice retreat out. So it was like, I don't know, three or four days out in Austin and 
you know, got all flights there, hotels and free food and everything. It was just like a good time for everyone. And what was interesting, because my wife was there too and the spouses were there, she was like, this is at a point where I was not with the team. I was busy doing some other stuff. She was like, I saw the craziest and weirdest thing ever. I was like, what? She's like, everybody was in the hot tub talking about work, coming up with ideas for work. And I was like, really? She was like, I've never like seen that before because like, you know, most people think of work as something you don't want to do. But then when you give like an opportunity, like here for the team to now just have fun yeah. and give them that like ability to bond with each other, everyone now starts to, because like when you're in an entrepreneurial company, everybody's got to be very devoted as it is. But then when you give them that kind of like that same space, all of a sudden people just start talking about ideas in a non-formal way. And, and you don't, you never know what's going to come out of that. And now you're having fun in the hot tub talking business. Yeah, I know. It's, it's, it's crazy. Given, giving that space to, for me, it's been one of my biggest things and it's really hard to do even right now. But like this morning, that conversation was so it, I literally, the minute it happened, felt like a thousand pound dumbbell was lifted off my chest. And even coming into this interview, I was like, like I could just, you know, I don't have this like, because in the end that proverbial gun that was on my head, it, I'm holding it. Yeah. It's like, if you have a gun to your head and it feels like you're hold, you're the one holding it, just, just take it off. Like, just like put it down. And, and it's such a, just, you know, it's a crazy concept, but for, for pretty much most things that we do now, the way we're running it, it's, it is so funny because I'll talk to my team members and you know, there's a project I really want to get on on Monday, but that means they're going to have to work over the weekend. And I just turn over and I'm like, it ain't worth it, dude. We'll do it on Wednesday. Like, it's just like, now there are a few times where it's like, Hey, we really need to, there's a reason like, let's do it. But nine times out of 10, I have found the things that I applied urgency to don't actually need it. it. It actually, what I really needed was just take a step back and think about it. All right. I want to change, I want to change our, change our line of like, we talked a lot about like, you know, professional business career. It, I've also seen on your, your channel, you've interviewed a lot of really cool people. Um, and I'm curious who's probably been the most interesting interview or most, you know, the, the one you learned the most from the one that was the most interesting. They're always gonna be different ones, but tell me a little bit about some of the ones that stick out. In your so I think the one that I was the most nervous for was Robert Kiyosaki. And I'll tell you why, because, well, you know, I've done a lot of work. Yeah, with I know you have. Yeah. So I, I know, <laughs> but yeah, well, I was the most nervous because he had probably the biggest impact on my life. Um, I read his book. That was the first time I ever voluntarily read a book cover to cover. Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Like, I hated reading. I couldn't even read. So, can I tell you a funny story? Yeah. I used to skip school in high school. Like, junior year, I started skipping school. I would, like, skip certain grades, uh, certain periods and go. I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad while I was skipping class. I used to go to the library. I used to go, not library, I used to go to Barnes & Nobles. Or back then, Borders. Borders was a bookstore. Yeah. I used to go to Borders and read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. It took me a week to read it, but I would read it, like, an hour or two a day while skipping school. Yeah. So, like, that was the first book I ever voluntarily read, and I skipped school to go read it. That was funny. Yeah, well, I never skipped school to read I was too scared <laughs> to do that. But I, I started reading it on a flight to India because I was so – and this is before, like, you had the individual uh, TVs on the seats, right? Yeah, so you'd uh, be very bored. So I started reading, and I was like, holy moly, what is this money thing? So uh, that book really was, like, my inspiration into, like – this whole new world of financial education, which I was never exposed to before. So I like, I was very nervous to meet him because like of that big impact that he had. And, uh, you know, he has a very interesting personality, very strong opinions. So it was, it was, you know, cool to meet. Did him. you ever get, did you ever get like anyone to kind of pre? No, you no, I had no idea. All right. So I, so I, I've become very good friends with a lot of the leadership and a lot of the people at the company. 
I met Robert Kiyosaki for the first time in Vegas, okay? So we were, um, he, he, he wrote the foreword to my first book. And uh, so I wanted to get a little interview with him to see if they, they, they could support my book. And so he was in Vegas. I don't, I don't remember fully. I think he was there for like a gun and hunting convention because oh, wow. he's like a very big enthusiast. And, and he just, yeah. So like we're going to meet in a hotel. It was a suite. We're going to meet there. We're going to film real quick. And as I enter the hotel, I'm already like this, man. This, at this point, I've already met Shah Rukh Khan. <laughs> I have hung out with Shah Rukh. I've hung out with some of the biggest stars in the world. But they didn't impact me the way he did, right? And so I'm like meeting a childhood hero, and I'm in the elevator going up, and one of his team members, I don't remember, they turn around, they're like, um, you know, don't say too much, keep kind of head down, like we'll tell you what to do, when to do, da da da. He's not in a great mood today, and I was like, what does that mean? And they're like, oh, you don't know, or you've not been briefed. I'm like, no. And they're like. Sorry, too late now. Let's go in the interview. I'm like, what the? F what? I, like, and, and they're like, oh, by the way, he's here for a gun and hunting convention. And I'm like, did he leave the guns at home? Because I don't think I've been in the interview with them. Um, I, it went on to become one of the most influential partnerships um, and friendships I've had in my business. I mean, he, but as you, as you say, you know, I'll tell you this thing about Robert. So he has really strong opinions, um, which a lot of people disagree with or whatever. Um, but he actually lives them. So he's not like one of those people like out there feeding stuff to the market. But like he actually like he invests the way he says. Like he does things with his own money the way he says. So um, you know, I respected that about him. Anyone else to stick out other than Robert? Uh, I think I, I mean, I learned a lot from every interview that I've done. Have you ever interviewed Dave Ramsey? Have you ever? I haven't that? connected with Dave Ramsey. I, he, I love Dave, too. And it's funny because I always anytime I recommend books, I always say you have to read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. You have to read Total Money Makeover. So what's your t perspective on that? Because a lot of people that are into investing like like Rich Dad, Poor Dad followers will will not like Dave Ramsey because I listen to Dave Ramsey stuff. Sometimes I'm like, ah, no debt, no this. Like I have debt and I do well with it. You know but. what? I mean. There's a time and place for both. And I think what I always say when it comes to like education, especially is you have to listen to different points of view. That way you can find your own lens. Never blindly follow anybody. Like I always say on my channel, like almost in every video, never blindly follow a random guy on YouTube. Never blindly listen to a random guy on YouTube. Don't like, don't take what I say and copy it. Take what I say and learn from it and apply it. And so like when you talk about, you know, Dave and Robert who have both helped millions of people, in financial, different financial ways, learn from both of them. And I mean, I learned a lot from Dave. I think I, I applied more of Dave's knowledge early on. Like I refused to get a credit card for a long time. I used to only keep cash. And then I got that cash stolen from me a few times. I had like, I used to go to the gym all the time. And then I go to the gym and I found out all the cash was taken out of my wallet. Cause I, I didn't have like those, it was like one of those, like more like kind of rundown gyms where you didn't have locks on the lockers or whatever. People took the cash out of my wallet. That happened a couple of times. And then I got the cash stolen on my wallet a third time. And then I had an issue with a debit card where I got, I purchased a transaction where I never got the product, but the debit card wouldn't like give me the fraud protection. Which was, which then led me finally to like breaking the with the straw that broke the camel's back, and then I got credit cards, and I was like, "Whoa, credit cards! I got cash back. This is cool." And but you know, because I was always a disciplined spender, like I knew I was never gonna spend money on something that I can't afford. So it's like you start to learn and kind of see what's better for you. Here's another area where uh, officially, finally on video, say this. All right, so I've been on on. I I, I was not a Ramsey fan at all. 
By the way, a little interview tip. Don't say the two words Dave Ramsey ever in front of Robert Kiyosaki. <laughs> do not. Do not. I did. Do not. I made the mistake. Do not. It's like he, he you know, and, and I, I get it. Like very different ways and different schools of thoughts. I was very anti-Dave Ramsey and his school of thought for a long time until I will honestly tell you probably within the last six months, I finally said, all right. You know, I think one of the things that turned me off was not only the way he, what he was thinking, I don't align with that thought process. Now, you addressed it perfectly. Now that I have all these resources and abilities and, 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 and understanding and knowledge and network and all of that, right? But I think something that always used to turn me off also about him was how confidently he projects what he says that I so strongly disagree with. And that, that would be just be like, no. So in the last six months, I finally was like, you know what? Hold on. I have been sitting here. I've never watched his content. I've kind of read one of his books. So I actually started watching some of his content. And I came out of it and I was like, I hate to say this, but for people who are, for someone who's just starting, you got to follow this stuff. Like you got to follow the thing. Now, once you have the money and you have the success and all, like I can see how you could pivot a little bit away. You could take, you know what you said, take, learn from a few of the people and, and create your own strategy. But, um, that's interesting. Um, any other ones, any other really powerful interviews or people you've met? So I, I not even interviews, people you've met maybe in your career. I've met some. So I always like to like, like what I just said, try to talk to people with differing points of view. So like in the cryptocurrency space, I met with Michael Saylor, who's huge on Bitcoin. Like he's like, Bitcoin's going to take over the world. And then I've also interviewed a guy named Peter Schiff, who is the complete opposite. Bitcoin's going to zero. Gold is going to take oh, over Oh, cool. You've interviewed Peter Schiff? Yeah, I've interviewed oh, Peter Schiff. So a, again, two dynamically polar very extremes, strong, strong, very strong opinions. Yeah, strong and opinions, yeah. I really enjoy that. And uh, because I like learning from people that have different points of view, because what I've learned is when you go down that rabbit hole of believing that only one thing is right and social media makes it very easy that like everything else is stupid, you become stupid. And that's where you need, like for me, I try to always like listen to differing points of view even if I don't agree with it because I want to learn. And my goal here is just to learn. And and that's what I love doing. So I really enjoyed that. Um, I think I was really excited. I, well, not I think. I was super excited when I got to meet uh, Kevin O'Leary. I did an interview with him. Okay. That was like, I, I loved Shark Tank. Mr. Wonderful. Mr. Wonderful. Like that was like such a cool experience. So, you know, it's like things that like. Have you have you had a chance to meet Damon yet? No, I haven't. No, it, it really, really cool guy. Like yeah. just one of those down to earth. Um, so I've had, I've done a lot of things with him. I've interviewed him, met with him. He's been here many times and, um, you know, it's so crazy to watch how some of these guys that are TV personalities, like even myself, right? I met someone recently at a mall and I'm telling you, I was in line for a coffee and they, they kept, you know, when someone recognizes that they're doing like that double, triple take and you can see, and you're like, here we go. I, by the way, I just share this all the time and I, I don't know if you agree or not. I'm super introverted. So like if you run into me in a public place and you're like, Yo, are you on it? I'm going to get really awkward. Really fast. <laughs> All right. Like I get really, I feel like way. I got caught with like, you know, candy bar, or like my hand in the candy jar or yeah. something. So this person's doing this and they turn around and they're like, are you, are you the, and then it's always, are you the TikToker or the YouTuber? Yeah. I take a lot of pride when someone says, are you the TikToker? Cause I'm uh, like, I've never <laughs> gotten that one. You know, Actually, I one time. Yeah. So she, she said, are you from the guy from YouTube? And I'm like, yeah. She's like, the guy that's always talking about email marketing and entrepreneurship. I'm like, yeah, she got super excited. She's talking to me. I was like in line for coffee and kind of in my own mindset. And I'm just like talking to her. And she, this is what she says. And I felt so, I laughed. I'm like, well, she, she just kind of stops and she goes, wow, you're, you're like different, <laughs> right? You're different. And I was like, what do you mean? She's like, 
She literally goes, you're kind of low energy in person. <laughs> I was like, ouch, like, dang. But I'm like, yeah, you're right. Like when the camera turns on, I'm, I'm a bit different, but in, in, I don't carry this level of conversation in my, like in, in, during their normal day, I'm like just, you know, kind of down to earth and I don't like, like I love, I'm a homebody. Like for the first few months pandemic, I was like, yes. <laughs> like my wife can't force me to see humans. <laughs> like I can't go out. It could, it could be like deadly to us. Right. Yeah. But then obviously even, even after a while that drove me nuts. So would you say you're kind of like I'm introverted. video personality, but then yeah. like uh, you're more so it's, quiet. It's funny. In do you run into people that I, like, recognize you? I, you know, it's it's crazy. I do, and it's always like a big like, oh my god, you you recognize me? Like that's crazy. It's like it's always still a shock to me. Even me till this day, I'm like, you wow, you recognize me? Okay, and then I get scared. So. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> wild. And you know what's funny? It's I'm I'm a really goofy person. Like I'm really silly, but I'm very introverted. Like I I feel like I I struggle talking to people. I I suck at small talk. I suck at networking. I hate the traditional idea of networking, which is like one thing me and my wife always disagreed about. But I'll talk about that in a second. But I, I'm always just really goofy and silly. And I'm just like a kind of like I call myself weird, which is like in an interview when you come to work with us one, in the first round of interview, one of the questions we ask is on a scale of one to 10, how weird are you? And so it's just we kind of gauge yeah. that. So I'm like, I just do silly things. I'll be dancing sometimes just like with my wife. And like I'm always kind of like embarrassing her. And those are always when people come up to me and say, hey, are you that guy? And I'm like. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and so she, my wife do is always like, you need do to you share down. any of that in your public person? Because I wouldn't have picked up on that. Even like when we we just met face to face for the first time. But in our first half an hour before this podcast, I wouldn't have picked up on that. You're goofy or, anything uh, you know, like I that. think it's like, it take time. I to think warm so. Up? I think yeah. it just depends on who I'm around. Like when I'm with my friends, like I'm always just like, you know, I, around the right people, I'm loud and obnoxious or everywhere else. I'm just quiet. I'm 100 percent the same way. So where I was going with that was Damon, Damon John. The first time he came to visit here. I couldn't get him to smile. He was so serious. He was great to work with. He was one of the best I've ever worked with because he like really, really takes instruction well. Whereas a lot of celebrity people, you'd be like, hey, say this. They're like, no, you know? And I'm not gonna mention names, but there's there's a few I've worked with that are like refused. He's just like, all right, just whatever. And so like halfway through our time here, his the president of his company was here too with him. And I had gotten to know his president pretty well. And so I kind of pulled him aside. I'm like, hey man, I don't think he likes me. <laughs> Like, I, am I doing something wrong? Like, I, like, like, I really, 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 really respect Damon. And actually, Damon wrote the forward to my, my second big book, Escape. And I'm like, I, I actually really, really love Damon. Like, what am I doing wrong here? And his presence starts laughing. He's like, nothing, man. He's super introverted. I'm like, what the? He's on TV. He can't be, isn't that like, you can't be introverted on TV. He's like, no, he's going to take a few times. When you get to know him a little bit, you know, he's going to. And it truly was like, like it, it took a few meetings and got to the point where we're like, we were like texting each other jokes, yeah. right? Like during the pandemic, it was, he texted me some like stock tip or something. I didn't do it. And it made a lot of money. And then he asked me a week later, did you do it? I'm like, no. And he's like, ha Like, you know, it's like a very different personality. And, and I'm like, the more, you, so the more you meet some of these celebrities, it can be very different. Like I've met um, Bob Proctor was exactly the way he came. Like I, I loved him. I miss him every day. Like he was one of the most influential like he was probably one of the most influential people in my life that in person that I had a relationship with. Les Brown, on TV, on screen, in person. That man, like when you meet him, like he even, like I always joke with Les and like you'll walk in and he'll be like, this is Les Brown, you know, maybe I'm like, dude, it's just me. Like why are you announcing yourself? But he's, he's awesome. But some people are very, very different. Um, so you were saying you have a different perspective on networking. Yeah, networking. So I, I actually was, me and my wife were talking about this, I think a night or two ago. Uh, where I, I was probably 19 and I went to this like real estate conference 
And that's when I realized that I hated networking because it was like you go to this conference and the whole purpose is just like mingle. And I was like, dude, I can't I can't connect with anybody. I hate small talk. And it's just like it just seemed so fake to me. Like one thing that I, I know from myself, like I hate sucking up to people. I can't be fake. I, I just can't. Like if I like you, I like you. If I don't, I can't. You know, it's just how, how I am. And so like me trying to be there, being fake, talking to you, smiling, giving business cards, accepting business cards. I'm like, I know this is going nowhere. And so <laughs> I, I'm never going to talk to you again as it is. <laughs> I don't even know. like what. I, and so I never enjoyed that. And I was like, why would I want to put myself in a position to just be fake? Yeah. My wife was like, no, you need to get out there, meet people. And I was like, no, that's not me. And I was like, I'm going to just focus on building me. And then uh, it was funny because I talked to her about this like, literally like two days ago. And I was like, yeah, I think networking is not for me. I, I like building my own value because then I can reach out to who I want. And if I'm valuable enough, they'll want to respond to me. And it's it's a completely different way of looking at things. And I think for me, that's the way to do it. Like I, I can't go and just talk to random people and make a connection. Like that's like once in a blue moon type of thing. Just be that I can't either. Never done it in my life. Yeah. I, and, and so people think I'm this big schmoozer because I've networked with and made and done business with so many of these celebrities and all. I can't. Okay, if I walk into a genuinely new room where I don't know anybody, I'm not that guy that's just gonna start going around. Like I, I, I can play the role. It's very uncomfortable. I don't enjoy it. So most likely, chances are, I'll never even step into the room. Yeah. Like I just won't, I, I'm the guy that just won't go. Yeah, right? I'm the same way. Um, now, if you want to track back, people are like, well, how'd you, you know, how'd you, how'd you partner with Robert? I'm sure. And I'm like, you know that, how that how that happened? Um, there was a there was a launch going on in our industry. Somehow, Rich Dad shows up on the leaderboard. And being as competitive as we can be just as entrepreneurs and being like, that's no, that's my, that's, that's how did my mentor, how the person who I've looked up to. And so I was like, I want to kick his ass. <laughs> you know, it was just like, it was one of those, like, I want to kick his ass. Cause he, this is my home. This is my turf. You know, I know you're this big guy, but this is my turf. So we competed with their team like crazy. And in the end we finally beat them. Like literally came down and ironically enough, I'm at a Russell Peters concert or a con perf like in, in DC, it's the last day. I'm the whole time I'm just texting my team like, okay, now send this email and I send this text out. And we beat him at the end. And the way we became friends with his team was, so the next day I'm like, all right, how do we, like, should I reach out to the main person, ask them to introduce me to them? Should I, da, 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 da. How do I strategize meeting them? Because this is cool. And in the meantime, my director of marketing that night after we beat them, it gets announced at 12 or 1 a.m. He's in Australia, so for him it's daytime. He literally sent, he got their email address somehow, like the two heads of the company. He sent them an email that subject line said, nanny, nanny, boo, boo. <laughs> that was what he sent. And when I found out the next morning, I was like, are you insane? How could you do that? What the hell is wrong with you? Blah, blah, blah. Well, guess what? They replied because they thought it was hilarious. Oh, wow. And then they were like, let's get on a call. Because I started yelling at him and he's like, are you done yet? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, you free today at two o'clock? I'm like, why? He's like, because you have a call with them. I'm like, wow. son of a, you know? And so next thing I knew, two weeks out, um, they invited me to come visit. I flew out, met with them. I wasn't some strategic, you know, shake hands at. Bob Proctor, I became really good friends with because I met his son at an event because I sat down to eat and I was eating with the only other person at the event I knew, Sonia. And Sonia was like, hey, Onik, this is Brian Proctor. And I'm looking at him and I'm like, ha, ha, ha. any relation to Bob? And he's like, yeah, it's my dad. And I'm like, 
no shit. After which, by the way, I never asked him for anything. We just, yeah. he was a really nice guy, so we yeah. became friends. Started hanging out at the event, and next thing I know, two weeks later, he calls me and says, you wanna meet my dad? I'm like, I'd yeah. freaking love to. So it's not been this like strategic, it's honestly been genuine, just show up, yeah. right? Just be who you are. Yeah. And, uh, but I mean, I, I do think the people I know in my life have been important. Like even you showing up here, I don't think this is an active networking. We've been chatting back and forth for a year, saying like, hey, let's get you on the podcast or whatever. And you're like, I'm in the area. Like, yeah, I think I texted you on Saturday. I was like, hey, I'm here for the wedding. Are you uh, available on Monday? Because I'm, I'm heading back on Monday, so. No, and, and so people would be like, oh, this is strategic networking. It really isn't. We just, you know, respect one another, followed one another for a while and just said, hey, are you, are you around? And I think it all just started, for me, it's always uh, just provide value because I was like in one of your uh, programs and you were talking about how you were trying to get on YouTube. Yes. And I just sent you an email not really know what to expect to say hey man um i have this youtube channel i would love to just provide whatever value i can if you want to hop on a call nothing i'm not i don't have any service to sell you just wanted to provide some value and you were like sure and uh we became friends and that's how i met a lot of people so i probably played it a little cooler because i knew of you and i knew your channel already um so when oh, you reached out yeah when you reached out i was like holy shit like you know it's so let me tell you so this gives us a pivot i'm gonna i'm gonna ask you some this we're gonna get a little deep now we're gonna get into a little little, little personal but not like personal personal so here's an interesting story. So one of my really, one of my, um, who I consider like my little brother. Um, uh, and so he went through a rough patch in his life. He's one of, if not the smartest people I know. All right. The guy can do everything and anything. He's brilliant. And um, so he lives in India. And so he was going through a rough patch. So he actually came here to the U.S. and, and uh, uh, stayed in one of my we have a we have a condo that we weren't using and him and his wife came and they stayed there And he would work with me every day come to office with me He was just trying to get like his reset, right? Like so he wanted to be around me a little bit more in a couple of months He actually lived in my house with me um, and in that And like that time he was telling me like he was like I want I Want to be able to be online and have a following like you do and I want to be able to make videos and stuff like that but I have an accent and no one's gonna ever follow me and I just looked at him and I'm like it's what the hell are you talking about right and it just didn't make sense to me he's like yeah he's like well you know you've got you know you you you're basically you know you basically look white like I mean you're you know you speak like that you, know, you have this American accent like nobody cares and yada 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 and so I'm looking at him I'm like you're so wrong I'm like there's nothing to do with any of it and so we're gonna pivot and talk about this because I am so oblivious to Racism. I, I mean, honest to God, I'm not saying it doesn't exist at all. And I'm wondering if it's happened to me, but growing in this area, I think I happen to be in like one specific area that's very cocktail of all these like different, we have every ethnicity, religion here. I went through middle, like elementary school, middle school, high school, and like I didn't really face much. And so as if obviously the recent decade, it's been being highlighted a lot. People ask me and I'm like, I, I don't, I, I, I'm sure it's happening. Maybe I'm just like completely like, like turned it off. Like I'm not focusing on it. So I am trying to tell him this. I'm like, dude, you need to just focus on good content, good this, like you're brilliant, you're a genius, da, 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 And he's using like my look and talk and everything. And I knew your channel. And I pulled up your channel and I showed it to him. And I said, this guy, right? He, he doesn't look like us. He's got, he's, he's, he is, he's a Sardarji. He's got his turban and he's got his beard. Look at him. Look at it, he's succeeding like crazy on YouTube. Why are you sitting here telling me that it's like my look and accent or whatever? 
and uh, he, he lives in Chandigarh, right? So like he's like that meant something to him, and so he eventually ended up pivoting and using it to his advantage because he went after the India market. Now he's he's killing it. He's like one of the biggest influencers, and he's he's doing great stuff. But I've always wondered and wanted to ask you if I ever got a chance, like, has that been, has racism or has been like the fact that you keep your turban and your beard, has that been a challenge in your life as you've grown your business? Uh, in business, no. But I think it's because of the way I was kind of raised. So I experienced a lot of racism growing up. Okay. Um, I grew up in an area that was all white. And uh, elementary school was like, I would give, so in my house, it was my grandparents lived with us. And my parents and me and my little brother. And so my parents were always working. Uh, so I didn't spend much time with them. And so it was my grandparents. My grandfather was like a tough guy. Or is. Like this guy is like, you don't mess with him ever. And so uh, when I would get picked on and like I would get beat up sometimes. He was like, you need to fight back. Like you, ha you have to learn to fight. And my grandmother was like the sweetest, nicest, most caring person ever. She's like, no, you just have to be loving. Just remember God. It's going to be okay. So two completely poor different extremes i was too timid to fight at the time so i would just kind of take it then uh came 9 11 and i went to a different school district which was like even more white and that was really tough for me because like now like the bullying got really tough where it was like i was getting like i came home with like bloody lips a um, handful of times people were like tearing my turban off my head i was middle school so two i mean i was probably 10 10 years old was when 9-11 happened. So uh, from 10 until like 13-ish, it was like probably the toughest. And so like I, had, I just remember a lot of times like I had people like throw my books on the ground, I was spit on. A lot of things like that happened. But I never told my parents really besides the time I'd come home like looking like a mess. Uh, but like my parents also didn't understand the system. So like we never, no one ever told their teacher or the principal. Like that wasn't a thing. Like I just had to learn to either deal with it or learn to fight back. That was it. And uh, so that made me kind of tough in the sense of like, because I know that it can go two ways. Either it makes you or breaks you. And I was fortunate where like it really gave me tough skin. And so when I decided to kind of do different things, I was also kind of like not accepted now by my family. And all these things were like, uh, I'm just going to kind of do me and do what I think is right. And so then when it came to business, there's been a lot of kind of quote unquote pressure from people saying, oh, maybe you shouldn't look like that. You'll be able to go further. And for me, that's more fuel where it's like, all right, watch me. Yeah, <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? watch. Yeah, I love that. So it doesn't bother me. So now. you turn it into a driving force. I, I was able to turn it into a driving force. And I honestly don't really notice it. Like I get the comments on YouTube. Oh, it's Osama Bin Laden or this and that all the time. But like, it's it's funny to me. Like it doesn't bother me even the slightest. Are you on TikTok? I am on TikTok. And really so it's the younger comments? generation of people. Holy shit, dude. TikTok comments are like, they're like art. <laughs> they're like, they're really bad, but they're creative. And I don't really notice it. And I, I, I was in Pennsylvania recently. This is like a... Uh, kind of a rural part of Pennsylvania I, and I was with somebody and they were like dude people are staring at you I was like they are no sorry it wasn't Pennsylvania this was a rural part of Michigan that's why and I was with like some people and they were like dude people are staring at you I was like they are I had no idea like you don't even know like, yeah they probably recognize me from YouTube yeah, <laughs> I don't know I didn't even realize <laughs> what was happening me. it doesn't bother me at all anymore yeah it's it's interesting I think I it, it is um you know I uh I I think because I've been really battling this in my mind of the last few years. Because I've been asked this question a lot, right? Since the last few years, it's been really getting highlighted. And I'm, I'm just so naive. I'm like, I don't think so. I don't know. But a big part of me is starting to think, I probably have. And I just think 
like I didn't let it register maybe, I guess, right? But also I will say, um, so I got into a program called Meyerhoff. So my whole story, just to go back real quick to, so pre-med, yeah. so I'm gonna be a doctor. You know, uh, it's, I don't know. I think it's like a rite of passage if you're yeah. Indian. Like you just have to, you like have to like at least attempt it. Uh, my family does have a lot of doctors. My parents, I don't think they were quite that committed to the cause, but like I, I as a kid figured out that I wanted to be a doctor because I did, did a very simple correlation. Who in our community has the nicest cars, biggest houses, most respect? It was always a doctor. So I'm like, oh, great, I'll be a doctor. Until like I started going to biology class and was like, I'm going to kill myself. Like This is not going to be me. So I studied really hard during high school and I got, you know, and my dad, by the way, sixth grade, put me in um, Sylvan Learning Center for English. Right around probably the same yeah. age. My English wasn't great. My math was okay. But for SATs, not MCATs, your parents were one step ahead. <laughs> yeah. I was in the, for the SATs. Yeah. And so it I took my first SAT in sixth grade. And I outscored wow. my sister, who was in 12th grade. Holy moly. And I trust, I still hold it over her till this day. I still remind her all the time that I'm smarter than her. Um, so, so I took my first SAT in sixth grade. And so I got into a really, really amazing program called Meyerhoff, which is they pick 70 students out of the world. Right? Mostly out of the U.S. apply. And it's a minorities program. Um, it's, it's for science. It's for excellence in science. And really what they want is you to go get a Ph.D. And if, if you want an M.D. too, that's fine. But then they ask you to go get an M.D. Ph.D. But if you get into the program, again, very selective, full scholarship, full this, full that. It's you are, you are creme de la creme in the university. You're practically carried to class on people's shoulders. It's like a very prestigious thing to be in that program. And um, full scholarship. They actually pay $3,000 a year to go to school uh, for your books and stuff. And your freshman year, you start getting recruited by all the Ivy Leagues wow. to come to your med school, PhD, whatever. To So I was there freshman year within a few weeks in private meetings with Harvard and Stanford and Princeton and all these because they start to try to get you because, you know, so you're made. This is like, hey, I'm made. I'm going to be a brain surgeon, probably go to Harvard. I'm going to be like that guy. So my parents are all about it, proud, telling everybody. It took me two weeks to be like, uh-oh, like what have I done? But in this program, you have to go through a summer camp. This Probably this summer camp was one of the most interesting, eye-opening moments of my life. It's like boot camp. It's like being in the military, but it's for studying. It's super weird. Very ner so, so nerdy, dude. So nerdy, all right? Six weeks. You are not allowed to leave the campus. You have to go to bed by a certain time. You have to get up by a certain time. You have to do all these like academic exercises, right? So whereas like in military camp, maybe you have to do like 50 push-ups. Here you have to name 50 people in the group. So like you got to go around name. You got to know everyone by their name. And then they'll ask you, give me one fact about this person. What they're doing is training you to build like this intense community, getting to know each other, which I will say played out real well because we all became really close. But during this time, We'd have these off hours for a couple hours where we could like mingle with one another. And so the community is largely got, a, it's got a lot of minorities in it. And they would talk a lot about racism and growing up in it. And I'm like, what the heck is he's talking about? And that was that community that brought, cause a lot of them from like Georgia and like all these states I hadn't even visited in my life. And I just kind of came to learn like, wow, I, I, I grew up in an area where it's a little bit more cocktail. So maybe it's been a little bit less, but um, but you said it hasn't in your business. So you haven't felt like when you're like getting a sponsor or trying to do a deal or whatever, like that that's been a problem really at all. No, not on that side. But I'll tell you, uh, uh, I think the first time I tried to outreach to media was probably 2016, right around the election time. 
And this is when I first really kind of built like a unique, let's call it a unique relationship with the media, where I would like pitch ideas. I was like, you know, let oh, I want to talk about this in the economy or this. I'm building this brand. And the responses that I got, maybe it was a little bit after 2016. It was like, yeah, we're not interested right now, but how about we talk about racism in Trump's America? I'm like, I'm, I'm trying to build a brand. Like, I, okay. like, that's not what I'm trying to go after, right? So they're literally... They they are being racist. They're they're trying to throw like just the way that it was phrased, where it's like yeah. almost like look, yeah, dude, look, um, racism exists, period. But I don't want that to consume me, and I don't want that to be like like I can't achieve what I want. But like it is my if somebody's racist towards me, that's more fuel towards me, right? It's just it's like haters, man. Like in business, you know you. You go through this curve where in the beginning, everyone doubts you. Like, what the heck are you doing? Then you get a little bit of success. You're the underdog story. Everybody wants you to succeed. Everyone's behind you. Then you, if you keep growing, you make it to the top. Everybody hates you. Everybody wants to bring you down. So it's like, you know, they all have their own curves, but it's like, where do you want to put your attention to? And so, you know, that's for me in terms of getting sponsors and all that, I don't think it's affected at one one bit. And even if it has, you probably just keep rolling past just keep it growing, and go man. find the ones that, that it doesn't affect and you just get keep, there. You got to focus yeah. on you. I love that though. Turn it into fuel. And it doesn't exp- and it doesn't just go to racism. It goes to any adversity you're facing. You can either choose to let it either stop you or fuel you. Um, we were talking about a few things before this and I call it the old lemon into lemonade. You know, we face issues that can be in sometimes and in some people's minds catastrophic. You know, they can be Armageddon-ish where it's like the end of things and I'm like, I just don't see it that way like, because I refuse to go out that way. So I'm like, now nah, I'm going to figure out how to spin this thing and turn it into my, my power, which for you was like, oh, so I can't get big with looking like this? Well, watch me, right? Watch me. And that's like, it's every morning you, you've got a bigger cause you're fighting for. Um, powerful stuff, man. It's uh, seriously, it's, it's been fun and awesome watching you grow. Um, and having just kind of seen where you're taking things and now how you're kind of going to the, and there's so many synergies just between, like I, I talked about even from when we started studying English for professional exams to almost becoming a doctor to now like you're going into the media business with the newsletters, that's exactly what we're doing here at Learn. Um, and it's just refreshing to see that a lot of, you know, we, we, we entrepreneurs who've been around it for a long time kind of go through the same loop and we, we kind of learn the same lessons and we arrive at the same places. Um, Man, I just, any, well, first of all, uh, where can people go to like just follow you, stalk you, find, learn from you, give you money? Oh, well, thank you for the kind words. Um, I have a lot of content on YouTube, Minority Mindset. Um, if you want to check out the newsletters, you can go to briefs.co. We have a free newsletter for investors called Market Briefs. We have a free newsletter for entrepreneurs called Business Briefs. We keep you up to date on the latest business trends. Uh, all that's free or uh, the minoritymindset.com. So, yeah. Yeah, love. I would I would highly highly recommend everybody follow him on YouTube. It's fun um, to watch. Your content is really really good. It's captivating. It's fun to watch. Um, and just even as a marketer, if you're watching, just watch what he does. Like he just today, I w- it was funny because he walked into my office and I had his videos up on my screen and I was like, dude, I'm not stalking you. I was literally telling one of my team members about you. Um, but then I noticed real quick, I'm like something I don't do in my videos. Or you pin the first comment with a link, and I'm like, damn it. We don't do any of that. That's brilliant. <laughs> Jimmy, we got to do that. We got to like pin the first comment with the URL and pin it. I'm like, I've created, I don't, I have 500,000 followers almost. And I've like never thought to do that. So it's fun to just, you know, and it, it's not something he told me. Actually, you mentioned it in passing. And as you said, I looked over, I'm like, son of a gun. 
Like that's something I got to do. So you can learn a lot by following. Um, closing words, something to share with our audience, just, you know, some, something that's on your mind or any thoughts you have or. The world is in your hands. Go out and get it. You know, it doesn't matter where you come from, what you look like. You can achieve anything that you want if you're willing to put in the work, if you have the discipline and if you're willing to learn and if you're willing to fail. If you have these four things, nothing can stop you. Don't let anybody, it doesn't matter who they are, go out, make those happen because we only live once. Dang, powerful words, man. It was awesome. Thank you, Just Breathe, all the way from Detroit here in our Learn Center. Thanks for being here. Thanks for this awesome episode. Guys, you know what to do. Hit subscribe, hit like, leave a comment. If you're listening to us on the audio channels, make sure you subscribe. Leave us a great review. The Onyx and Gala Show, come on. Let's get it into every door we possibly can. Love you guys. And as I always say, when life pushes you, stand straight, smile, and push it the heck back. We'll see you on the next one. Love you. Bye.